Hello there. Welcome to the Oblivious Maximus podcast for another episode. I'm your host, Aaron Osborne. Uh, this episode, my guest is Tom or Maddo, as I call him in this podcast, from uh, Last Ride Records and Ill Natured. Um, Maddo picked United by Fate by Rival Schools as the record to talk about. And then we also just talked a bunch about hardcore and the stuff that he's doing uh, as a label and as someone who plays in a band. He recently put out the This Is Australia Volume 2 release uh, with Peter Bordy, um, featuring a bunch of sick Australian bands in it. I think I talked about some of it in um, the last little riff video thing I did. Uh, but yeah, so it was a good, good chinwag about a record that I have heard and a band that I've seen before, but never really paid that much attention to. Um, and yeah, it was good to talk to him about, you know, the stuff that he's doing as well. Um, so without too much further gas bagging, please enjoy episode 113 of the Oblivious Maximus podcast with Tom Maddox from... Last Ride Records and Ill Natured. Fucking brutal. Maddo, thank you for doing the podcast with me. Hey now, thank you for having me. Absolute pleasure. So, um, for this, you picked. United by Fate by Rival Schools. Why this record? When you asked me to do this, I had a bit of a think. And ultimately, that was just one of the records that I've listened to the most over the last 12 months. So I figured, why not? That'll be a good one. And I wasn't sure if it was something that you would have heard or been too familiar with. So I thought that'd be a nice little challenge for you as well. Yeah, well, I, as you alluded to, it's definitely not something that I've heard a lot. That being said, I did realize that I have seen this band live, which... I thought that might have been a possibility. Which is funny, given that I... Okay, so the first thing when you gave me this, obviously, I know who the band are and I know that I've, I know that I've seen them. But what I didn't realize is that this band is like as... Uh, maybe like I don't want to say elusive but is like done as little as they have in the grand scheme of how long they've been a band and I guess how revered they are like they've done very few tours they've only got three records like and there was 10 years between one record and the next one yeah like there's there's three records and the most recent record to come out was like a a lost record that was in between the other two. So yeah, there's only, I'm not even sure if it was a full record. I think it might've even been something that like they were working on when they broke up, but there's different recordings that they've put together and ended up releasing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, so I guess obviously like I assume most people that, are of my background. I knew of the band 
given that they are, you know, effectively a super group of older, of guys from older hardcore bands. Um, how did you, how did you discover this band or this record? I was thinking about that earlier and I'm fairly sure the first time I would have come across the record was they played Soundwave in, I think, about 2009. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I even went that year or saw them play, but it was in this period where I was kind of discovering a lot of music and what I was doing was when they would release the Soundwave lineup, I would just go through and look at it and any band on the lineup that I didn't know, I just downloaded one of their records and just listened to it. And I think that would have had to have been the first time that they kind of came across my radar and I listened to them. But I don't think it would have been until probably a few years after that where I actually would have listened to it properly. Yeah. So is is other stuff like this, like similar to this sort of, you know, the post hardcore type stuff, were, were you already like exposed to that at all? Yeah, I definitely would have been exposed to a bit of that for sure. Like uh, I've always been kind of into stuff like that and stuff a little bit on the poppier side as well. Mm -hmm. Like the way that I kind of got into hardcore was through like kind of the pop punk bands that were big on the radio mm -hmm. in like the kind of early 2000s, like uh, Blink-182 and some 41 and stuff like that. Yeah. It's really like, I think the, the, the thing that I noticed the most about this record, putting it on now is that to me, this seems like a really big, and again, because I'm sort of, I don't know, ignorant to this or a bit further removed from it. Stuff like this seems like so easily the, the straight line to a lot of like the new grunge type stuff that like guys or people from hardcore bands now sort of end up doing. <laughs> like th that's where a, a lot of uh, over the last, I think maybe, I don't know, five to 10 years, there's been a lot of bands that have, have people from hardcore bands that have ended up going in a sort of similar trajectory. And it's just interesting to me that this record is like, this record's 10 years old, like, or, or more 20 years old rather. Like, and that stuff like this was happening that long ago. And now people are sort of still following that same track of like being in hardcore bands. And then I don't know, for lack of a better word, like growing up into this sort of music, I guess. Yeah, I'd say that this record and like Quicksand as well probably would have to have been a definite influence on the likes of like Tidal Fight and Basement, Balance Composure and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's it's like um I the one the like first note that I made about like when I was like thinking about that I suppose is that like that seems to be such a a common thread I guess for a lot of people is that they you know, when they're younger, they play in really aggressive bands, I suppose, or, you know, doing something to fight the system. And then as they get older, perhaps the music sort of lightens up a little bit and, and finds a bit more like of a, a palatable flavor. Whereas I feel like personally, as I've gotten older, like the music I like just gets like dumber and dumber <laughs> than, than where I 
where I initially started from. Yeah, I guess there's two ways you can go. Mm. I mean, I don't know. Maybe that's just my personality. Maybe it's all the drinking I've been doing that's made me fall into this trap. Just lowered the IQ a little bit. Yeah. Um. So with with um with a record like this, like I guess yeah. See, um, as I said before, like I think I've seen them. And I think I saw them when they play. They played the Poison City Weekend or whenever that was, and I remember again. I remember at the time going and not really. I don't think understanding that you know maybe the only other time people had had the opportunity to see a band like this, you know, most people in Australia would have been on something like Soundwave, um, and then when they come and do a smaller run like. Uh, like they did when they came for that, the Poison City thing, it, you know, obviously there was lots of people who were like incredibly excited about that and that in itself. And I think also from memory, I might be wrong, but I'm, I feel like Toy Boats played with them as well. And so that tied in a lot of, I guess, like the, you know, younger people into this, you know, sort of post-hardcore supergroup thing. Um, which would have tied it through, you know, pretty directly to those people who, you know, were getting into or more exposure through bands like you mentioned before, like Title Fight and Basement and things like that. I don't know. Like, is that something that you think still carries on for bands like that now? Like those sort of bands almost seem to have vanished a little bit at this point. Yeah, I think it has kind of a little bit and... I'd, de- I'd definitely be curious to see, like, so rival schools aren't doing anything anymore, but Walter has revived Quicksand, and that they did a record a year or two ago, and I think there's another one coming out this week. I'd definitely be curious to see if there's, like, any kind of crossover there between, like, the kids who are getting into those type of, like, title fight and whoever else, whether, like there's a definite line that goes through it or not, whether they're into like a quicksand record now or whether it's kind of a bit of an older audience that was already into bands like that. Yeah. Did did stuff like this drive you to into other things that they are sort of influenced by at all? I think it all, it just for me, it kind of coincided with like those younger bands that were popping off at the time and like, kind of lining up with my musical taste, I that would have been about the same time that I was getting into like this Rival Schools record and hearing that. And maybe that's why it kind of clicked for me a little bit because like there is a definite through line between the current bands that I was enjoying and like stuff like this record. Yeah. And is that is that something that's like hung on for you though? Like is, is this sort of music still something now that... I mean, obviously, as you said, you spent a lot of time listening to it over the last 12 months, but is this is this as a whole... Because obviously, the stuff that you do with the label and things like that, it's quite different comparatively to something like this. Is this something that, you know, you still listen to a lot? Like music like this, I suppose? Yeah. Yeah, I still listen to plenty of stuff like this. And, like, something like this record is... I found it quite good to put on when I'm like driving around at work because like it's a pretty easy record to listen to like yeah there's some nice sounding songs it's like 
you, there's a definite kind of punk and hardcore influence on it, but it's not like overly aggressive. So it's like a record you could kind of put on at any time and like you'd be hard pressed to find like anyone who doesn't enjoy listening to it. Like I feel like you could put this on for someone who doesn't really like punk or hardcore at all and like they could find something in the record that they enjoy. Yeah. Oh, I think for sure. Like, I mean, I, the... Yeah, like obviously I'd certainly heard them before, but when, when we talked about doing this, um, I had like a 45 minute drive and I just put the record on. So, you know, like the same thing, like I just listened to it while I was driving and it was, you know, it's definitely something that, you know, something that I'm happy to go back and listen to again. Certainly there's a lot of elements of it that remind me of stuff that I really like that maybe is not the intention of this band, but I mean, like a big, a big part of this for me is a lot of the songs to me, at least sound very more down the line of, um, you know, bands like old Queens of the stone age or Caius or old Soundgarden or things like that. There's parts of it that remind me of that, which I don't know if that was the intention of this band at all, but there's elements of that in there, particularly in the guitar playing, at least. Yeah, there's definitely some good guitar playing on it. It's well written. Yeah. Like when I was doing a little bit of research myself on the record before doing this, that was something that I noticed in, I think it was in the Wikipedia description. It had like just a, a couple of lines on each song and I saw like Queens of the Stone Age and stuff like that in there, which is not not something that I would have picked immediately when listening to it. But then when it's pointed out, like I can hear that it does make sense. Yeah. Well, there's, I mean, there's something interesting in that, like almost every song it's, it's certainly a a departure from how you, the record, the sound of the record rather is certainly a departure from like how you generally organize like a punk or a hardcore record in that, you know, most of the time when you do a punk or hardcore record, you're trying to make every song sound coherent and you're trying to make the whole thing work you know one song's got to go into the next song and they all got to sound kind of the same whereas this is far more like a band like you know like older rock bands used to do and you know which inherently influenced bands like queens of the stone age and stuff where like some songs on the record sound like distinctly different from the one before it and like they'll use a completely different guitar tone on one song from the next the the bass you know, some songs will have like proper bass lines played in. Like that was a big thing that I noticed throughout this record too. Like the bass playing on this record is awesome. And there's like really interesting, like almost like reggae bass lines in songs as well. Like where it could just be following the guitar track, but it's actually doing something, you know, distinctly of its own. Yeah. The bass seems like a little bit of a kind of, a hidden weapon on this because like it's not super present in the mix but mm. then there's a couple of songs where like the guitars strip away a little bit and you do hear it and like yeah the parts are really cool yeah i think like one of the other things on it too which maybe is why it reminded me of something like queens of stone age is that like there's lots of different like you know effects and pedals and stuff clearly being used on the guitars throughout the record like not almost like no two songs have the exact same guitar sound on it, which I love. Like I, I love when bands use that as a, 
you know, the, the purpose of an effect pedal is to provide an effect. It's not just to, unlike what I do, it's not just to be on the entire time, but, you know, so, some people use it for its real purpose. Yeah, I've read that, like, they were quite influenced at times as well by some of the, like, British kind of shoegaze bands. Mm. So I think that must be where, like, the desire to kind of use some of these effects on the guitar and, like add a little bit more texture to it like that like it would have come from listening to those bands yeah well i mean there's and like the song holding sand is like it's like almost a grunge song basically like it's got it's super thick guitar playing a chorus that has like a revolving you know grunge chorus essentially like and to me that yeah that's probably the closest sounding to quicksand on the record like that one since it is like a little bit heavier than a lot of the other songs yeah but like even that that being said like the um like again i'm just taking this off what i'm listening to it on but like this the the song used for glue has like the biggest i suppose biggest play count on the internet for it presumably meaning that's the song people like the most or or at least people yeah that's that's the single yeah people have listened to the most but like that comparing that song and like holding sound like they're they're two very distinctly different songs that have very different um you know like using a chorus structure is used very different between the two of them but still fits really comfortably within you know the scope of a, a cohesive record i suppose yeah, that's part of, like, what I think makes me want to listen to it and, like, makes it a good listen is that there are these kind of different different lines they shoot down with a couple of different sounds, but, like, it does all fit together as well. So, like, it's definitely an interesting record in terms of, like, where they go with it on certain songs. Yeah. The other thing for me, too, is, like, I don't know if I... I don't know if it was just, like, the time or the age that I am or whatever, but a lot of this sort of style sounding music was very, and I don't know if specifically rival schools, but like this sort of music was like really popular amongst, um, like when I first started coming up in Canberra playing shows and playing like youth center shows and the youth center show, you know, bills would always be, super bizarre and you know just every different genre was playing but there was always like a post-hardcore type band would be on it and like listening to this stuff now reminds me of that a lot but also reminds me that like oh this stuff has been you know relatively consistently popular in one way or another for a long time now like like a record and a band like this 20 years ago, for example. And then, you know, like mentioned before, like the sort of resurgence of these bands over the last five or 10 years. It's crazy to think that like music like this is, is, has continued as much as it has given that it initially came out of people coming from hardcore bands in the, in the eighties to then doing something like this, you know? Yeah. Like there's definitely fairly consistently, since that time being like I guess a decent crop of people where they'll do their hardcore bands and then after that they 
I guess that's in a sense why it was called post hardcore because、mm. they would then do something a little bit different. Yeah. Like they would want to kind of, I don't know, flex a different musical arm and try something different after they've done that. Yeah. It's quite interesting, though, that like a lot of the guys from bands like this now are, you know, pretty regularly just doing the old. You know, reu- reunion tour for the hardcore band that they were in when they were kids. It's like, it seems like such a bizarre circle that, like, you finish the or you wrap the hardcore band up, then you do your serious band for 10, 20 years or whatever. And then the reunion tour, you just go back to the thing that you were doing when you were a kid again. Like, yeah, like, I guess it's interesting how those bands. Like, are as popular now as they were back then. They're probably even more popular. Like, they're able to play to a lot of people, and that's probably a definite part of the appeal for these guys is that they might have, some of these bands, like, they might have only played a handful of shows when they're actually a band, and now they can come back and play to a few thousand people. Like, they can headline some of these festivals. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that's like the wild thing about, like, I mean, cert- certainly some of these more, you know, Hyper specific older hardcore bands, like I'm sure there was no way they ever played to a thousand people in the 80s, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, not a chance, but now they can come back and they could play This Is Hardcore, Sound and Fury, or something, and have an awesome set and like probably play to like thousands of people. And so I'm sure that paired with the fact that they can get a decent little payday and yeah, yeah. pay for their. Pay for their kids to eat that week and whatever else. Yeah. I think one of the other things that's like a distinct thing for this for me is like, I never could remember how I knew the name of the band and the name of the record. And then when I did my, you know, Wikipedia Googling, I was like, oh, yeah, it's that <laughs> video game. And it's literally the, the band name and the record is just the entire name of a video game. <laughs> like, Yeah, they just, just broke it up into the two. Yeah. Which I was just like, that's very interesting, particularly for a band that is like, or a record at least, that, you know, in, in its tone and in its musicality and how it sounds, you know, is quite a serious, you know, composition, I suppose. And then to be named after like a Capcom fighting game is like pretty, pretty funny. I think I can remember reading somewhere at some point that. They originally wanted that to be the full band name. Oh, really? And somewhere along the lines, someone said to them, Oh, how about just rival schools? How about you just shorten that off? And then I guess it was still in the brain somewhere. And when they ended up doing the record, they just ended up finishing it off there. <laughs> I wonder how much either positive and or negative impact on the release of this record, calling it exactly the title of a video game, had on it. Yeah, I wonder if you put that into Google, like what's coming up more well, frequently the video game or the band and the record. That's, that's how it came up in my, in my search because I just wrote in Rival Schools United by Fate and the first thing was a video game. And I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's, how, I know, that's how I know what it is. <laughs> like, so the video game's still getting the top hit on, at least on the algorithm that I'm getting served up on Google. It's putting the video game first. Oh, until this comes out anyway, <laughs> and we get some good press for the record. Yeah, yeah, that's the that's the intention with this 
very niche podcast is that I help boost sales for, for bands like Rivals. <laughs> Helping shape the Google algorithm for everyone. Yeah, well, you know, if the lads from Rival Schools want to sh- chuck me a dollar or two for helping boost their the profile of this record, you know, I won't stop them. If they come back and get you a pot or something. Yeah. Um, so I guess like with, um, you know, you mentioned over the last 12 months, you've been listening to, to this a lot. Is there, you know, given that the last 12 months have been a weird, you know, a weird session for everyone, essentially, is, um, have you found your taste sort of changing throughout the time that, you know, I suppose for lack of a better, you know, sense we've been sort of trapped in, in our own heads and in our own spaces? I don't think it's really changed at all. Just one thing I've done a little bit over the last 12, 18 months is that I kind of was starting to seek out things that like I was familiar with, but hadn't actually listened to before. And part of what kind of ties it into this record is that I've been a fan of pretty much everything that Walter Schreifels has done, but there was a couple of bands and a couple of records that I hadn't listened to before. So I kind of went on a bit of a task to track down all of these like records that he's done that I haven't heard before and just to listen to those kind of tick those off and see what I liked and with this record like so the band kind of formed he had another band called World's Fastest Car that like they recorded some stuff played some shows but didn't actually really do anything but then he ended up starting Rival Schools after that and a couple of the world's fastest car songs made it onto this record. And from listening to those recordings, it was kind of like, oh, that's a really good song. I really liked that. And then when I went back and listened to the Rival Schools record again, I recognised it from there. So it just kind of gave me a bit more of an appreciation of those songs again from a different angle. Mm. Yeah, well, I mean, I think that's that's definitely something that I... I did well certainly like being in Melbourne like last year when we were very you know wasn't working very much and was just sitting at home all the time like that was definitely something I was like really hammering through was okay I haven't either I haven't listened to this before I like this person from this band so I'm just gonna go and find all the other things that they do and find the other stuff that I like from that um and to be honest it's like yielded great results like there's a bunch of stuff that I've is now like in my regular rotation that came out of, I guess, putting in that effort. Um, and I think a big thing that I had too over the last year was, I don't know whether it is from, you know, playing in bands and playing shows or going to shows and stuff like that. Sometimes I found myself getting really burnt out on just listening to music and part of I think when I initially started the podcast was because I kind of was listening to podcasts all the time because I was like I guess you know been so many years of playing shows and stuff like that but then you know then it being taken away from me like not being able to go to shows and see friends and do those things it pushed me in like the complete other direction and just made me want to listen to music all the time like 
Which I hadn't for years, I don't think. Yeah, I still listened to probably as much music just because last year I worked pretty much consistently the same, if not more, than I was working pre-pandemic. And mm. part of my work is driving around in the car. So like, I'm always in the car, always listen to music in the car. And like I found what was good for me was just to kind of have like a bit of a list of records and things that I wanted to listen to. And then that way, when I'm in the car driving, if one record finishes, I don't really have to stop and think and go, okay, what am I going to put on now? I just look at that list I had, right? And I go, okay, on to the next one. So like, whether that be listening to all the Walter Schreifel's bands and like all the records I hadn't heard before or something else, like I managed to get through a decent amount of music last year that I hadn't heard before just from doing stuff like that. Yeah. I think, I mean, the other thing too is like it it's good when it like inspires you into that as well, because then you got to drive to keep, you know, you, you have like a passion to keep going with it too. Like, I, I mean, there was definitely times last year, I would say, and still even like, you know, as recently as like this week, like I feel if anything, all that the last year has done for me has pushed me into being like way more revved up about listening to stuff or finding new things to listen to than I ever or not that I ever have been but that I have been for at least the last you know five or ten years probably yeah every Friday now because everything is released on a Friday like I've definitely noticed that over the last 12 to 18 months like it'll hit midnight on a Friday morning and I'll open up Spotify or whatever and go through the new releases and say okay what's coming out today what am I going to listen to on my drive to work this morning mm. Whereas pre-pandemic, I don't think I was really doing that. I was just kind of listening to stuff whenever it would come across me. But I'm definitely kind of seeking things out fairly regularly now. Yeah. I think the other thing too is, you know, maybe because of a lack of other things happening, like you're more in, I guess, maybe more like attentive to to that things are coming out. Like you're paying more attention, I suppose, as well, getting excited about, things as they do get released and stuff, you know? Yeah, I think last year too, they, it did kind of drop a little bit in terms of the number of new releases, just because a lot of bands were wanting to hold off releasing something until they could play shows and tour. So then I think when something did actually come out, like I was pretty pumped to be able to hear it. Yeah. I think the other thing too is like, or at least I feel like maybe, maybe it's just, maybe it's an Australian thing. I don't know, but I think, because to like, at least at the moment, there's kind of not really like an end in sight here. At, at least that's how I feel. There's not really like an end in sight for when this stuff's going to stop happening here now. Like, I mean, I've got a show, you know, that it's, it's not even my show. I'm just playing it that we're onto the third rebooking of it at this point. And like <laughs> every time the date gets moved, all that I'm thinking about at this at this point now is just like this show's never happening like we're just gonna keep pushing this out by a month and then we'll get locked down again and then it'll push out by another month <laughs> like i don't know like i don't even know why we're sort of bothering at the minute but it's not my show so yeah, that's that's not my decision to make but yeah i've got a couple like that as well where the original date got canned and then they've given us new dates and i'm oh that'll be great if it happens but i'm not overly hopeful about it yeah 
Well, and I think that's, I mean, that's also the other part why, like, I mean, obviously you, you probably ha- have more experience with this recently than I do, but, you know, given that you are running a label and putting records out yourself, but like, I mean, the thing for me is I was in the same boat where a year ago the thought was like, oh, well, we'll wait to do stuff until we can play shows again. And then now it's like, you know, that's why we put out the Mental Cavity record because we were just like, well, what's the fucking point in waiting? <laughs> like, we're not, who knows we're going to play mm. a show? We may as well put the thing out. Like, hopefully the, the people who, like me, get excited about something new popping up on Spotify, this will be good for them. <laughs> yeah, I think the releases that I did put out last year through the label, like, they all were received quite well and have sold quite well. So... Like, it was a little bit of a gamble, I think, to do it, considering, like, hardcore is a genre where it's so based on the live experience yeah. being able to actually watch the bands, but the releases all went really well, so, like, it couldn't have... I couldn't have really asked for much more, considering the circumstances. Yeah. I mean, I think... And I've talked about this with a couple, of, a couple other people at this point now, but, I mean, I feel like another positive of the last year here has been that um, I feel at least that it's really pushed people to like to do their own thing and not rely so much on the influence or the input of external you know of like overseas bands touring or the idea that they'll get to go overseas themselves or something like that like people are just seemingly at least from the impression i get just doing it because they want to do it and it's you know people like yourself want to put it out because they like it and that that's sort of <laughs> at its core like that's the best way i feel about doing it you know like that's why i do this stuff is because i want to hear it and i want to play it you know yeah like it would have been nice if this year we we're able to do a little bit more in terms of playing some shows and booking some tours because I think like there was never going to be any international bands touring this year, like kind of regardless of how the rollout of the vaccine and whatever else went. But yeah, at the start of this year, anyway, it definitely seemed like there was a bit of a window where like domestic touring seemed like it was going to be like a really good option. And it would have been awesome to be able to see, a bunch of bands from here teaming up for shows and I think they would have all been really well like they would have all done well mm. and like it would have been cool to see shows doing super well without having that American band come over and headline it like it would have been like a good display for bands here yeah well I mean certainly the ones that from my well the ones that I played and also the ones that I you know saw other people playing like every show that has happened here this year I feel has been like unreal like has been really well attended really well received at the shows that that i've been a part of and like i know that particularly when it uh like the first couple was like everyone was so nervy i think about doing it but then once it got underway it was like oh this is fucking awesome and everyone's been starved of this for a year so i mean that's the only thing that I hope out of having more lockdowns is that when we inevitably can free up a little bit and do it again, it, you know, it gets received as positively as it did last time, you know? 
yeah, like the couple of shows that we did do or attempted to do, like the ticket sales for them were unreal, like definitely much higher than they were any time pre-pandemic. And like the speed show that we snuck in just a couple of days before the lockdown started, like that was unreal. Like I'm so glad that that show was able to happen and I was able to go because like it, that kind of ticked all the boxes in terms of what I'd been missing and hadn't been able to see. And I'm definitely glad that I was able to go to that before we go into this other extended period of lockdown for who knows how long. Yeah. What's like the, um, obviously, so you just, um, you just put out the, this is Australia like compilation. What was the, what was the push for doing that? So that compilation was, so it's a, a volume two for that, yeah. which is following up the original volume that Peter Bordy did in 2009 or whenever it was. Mm-hmm. And the original idea from that came from, it was Josh from Speed and Forge Ahead just kind of messaged Pete saying volume two this year. And Pete just said, okay, all right, we'll do it. Yeah. And then he started to put together a bit of a lineup for it and realized that most of the bands that he wanted to be on the second volume were all bands that like I work with and have done records for. So that was where I came into the picture and he asked me if I wanted to be involved with it and help him put it out because I think he really did not want to be doing any mail order and sending any <laughs> records. So I got stitched up with that job, but <laughs> I like doing it. So that's okay. Yeah. Well, you know. As as I can very clearly see behind you is the uh, the warehouse of of your belongings. Yeah, I ducked into the warehouse through this one. Yeah, which is very similar to this room. In fact, you can't see it, but like all that's here is boxes of shit. So yeah, yeah, same with me. On pretty much every other side of me that you can't see, there's boxes of records and merch and stuff. Yeah. Um. But so like is because obviously you play in bands as well and like with doing the label is the drive, does the drive for that come, you know, for you in terms of a way to do your own things too or is has that, is the push more to help other people? Where, where does that come from for you? It kind of started originally as a means to be able to put out my own records mm. and like do stuff for my own bands but then I think coming up is release 34 and I've probably only played on maybe four or five of those releases at most so like it's definitely shifted to be like more about doing things with other bands like just friends of mine other bands that I like and being able to be a part of their records and help them and like try to give them a push and get some of the attention that I think the bands deserve. Yeah. And I mean, it's obviously very, it's obviously really helpful when, you know, one of those, you know, a band gets a particularly good kick. Like, I mean, obviously at the moment, that's very evident that Speed have had, you know, been getting really good response and reactions to their songs and the the video and things like that. Like it's... um you know, which is, which is awesome, but also like funny in, in, in the sense that like, that's a band that's like, that has come sort of, um, concurrently with the pandemic really. Like 
the band really didn't get to do too much before the pandemic happened. No, I think they played three or four shows, something like that. Yeah. Which is like pretty insane given the response that the band now gets on, you know, on the internet. And I mean, obviously, it, uh, you know, uh, as we're both acutely aware, like it doesn't hurt at all that they're all very lovely people and they have lots of friends. But like it's, you know... Um, you know, it's interesting that 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 the the way that that's timed out is, it's it's worked to, you know, you know, for it's worked well. Whether it's worked to the uh, better than if they were able to play shows, I don't know. Probably not. But like, it's, you know, it's still it's still interesting that that's sort of rolled rolled along as well as it has, given that there's, you know, not been that opportunity for them. I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Like they definitely had a lot of stuff last year that they had planned to do but weren't able to do. But I think all things considering, like they're in a really good position and like definitely an exciting band to watch and keep your eye on for what they're able to do next. And kind of tying it back into the last question, like I think one of the things that's a focus with that band is like if they're going to be doing well, they want to bring everyone else up with them. Mm like the kind of sense of community that they have is something that wasn't really on my mind when I started the label, but like within the last couple of years, I definitely noticed that like I have been able to build a pretty decent kind of little community with the bands I have where everyone kind of wants to see everyone else succeed and like any success that one band has, they're going to try and bring all the other bands up with them and just keep trying to help build hardcore in general for everyone. Yeah. Well, and I, th- I think that's, I mean, that's the, the best and only way to do it really. And I mean, like, you know, I'm, I'm relatively confident in saying that like almost every band in Australia, you know, who has had the opportunity to either go overseas or have records come out overseas or, you know, do touring here with international bands, you know, a lot of that comes just from it, it comes from that like the the friendship side of it rather than um you know the necessarily necessarily like the the interest or the even the, the like of the music in in some aspects like i mean i would say like personally like you know out my bands certainly got the benefit of like people just liking us as people more than maybe they even cared about the the band that we were and i mean that I think is evident in the fact that, you know, our, the band that I've done the most with played, you know, in the hardcore scene and with hardcore bands and came up through that. And by the end of, well, not the end, cause the band's still a band, I guess, but like by the, the, the last recording we did was, you know, essentially like a stoner rock guitar wank and like, it was still, you know, received well and we're still participating as part of the broader hardcore scene because of it, you know. Yeah, that's one of the good things about hardcore that I think not everyone realises is that you have, like, a kind of immediate audience where you start a band, you will just get put on a show and the people will be there and come to the show, whereas if you just start some indie band or... I don't know what it's like for a metal band, but like you, 
if you start an indie band, you'll play to no one when you start the band. Like, yeah. no one will care until you start to do well. But for hardcore, like, you can play to people automatically because there is such, like, a good scene where people are interested in new bands. They want to hear and support new bands. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, I mean, I think that that's initially what drove me to, like, playing in hardcore bands, really, was, like, I didn't come from punk or hardcore really like i was very firmly a long hair metal guy and got into this by way of like just being asked to be in a hardcore band with friends and then you know very quickly it was like well our really shit hardcore band that we all know is shit and we're just trying to figure this stuff out is getting offered better opportunities to do things than a death metal band that I've been in for five years and are like busting my ass to try and be good at drums. That band is getting fuck all. And then this other band that musically kind of sucks, but like we're all trying and we're all very good friends. Like that is getting much more positive response and we're getting much more encouragement, which then inherently makes you better. Like you, that's what that I feel like for me, that's what made me a better musician was you know and i use the term musician relatively loosely for the stuff that i've you know (laughs) gone on to do but like at the same time like i mean that came from bands like you know fitting within the what we've been talking about like a band like miles away for example like they put our really terrible hardcore band on like every time they came to canberra because they knew us and then when that band developed further and had people that were from other bands that they liked we then you know did more things with them and they were them and bands like mind snare and things like that obviously were like very quick to jump us into regular shows with them and regularly participating in sort of things that like you mentioned there was there's an audience there who liked them and so they could have put anyone on it but they put on the young group of people from that place that were trying and then that you know provided us an opportunity then ongoing which is unreal you know yeah like if i'm putting together a lineup and i need an another band to play like if there's a younger band where i know they're all nice people they're generally excited about hardcore and like want to be playing shows and doing things like that's the band you're going to put on like regardless of how good or not good they are yeah like if you have the choice between a band like that or a band that their pains in the ass and they're hard to deal with like you every time you're going to go for the band that's that you know they're nice people and like they genuinely want to be playing shows and like building hardcore yeah and i think as well like putting in the effort that that you would want like that you are going to put into that too. That's always been my thing with, you know, doing stuff with people, whether it's, you know, for my benefit or for theirs, like if you're being asked to do something, then you should contribute towards it. You know, it like it, regardless of what like the financial outcome is or, you know, whatever that might be. Like, I think where people get tripped up is they, I don't know, get paid well once or they do something where, and it inflates their head a little bit bigger than it needs to be. And then from there, it's sort of like they fall off the edge after that, you know, like, whereas 
I mean, you know, the, the reality for me is that like, and, and I'm sure a lot of people in the same position, like I've played some really fun shows. I've played some really silly big shows that have been great as well. But like, I know the what's destined for me is to keep doing this sort of same stuff forever. And I'm really content with that because I have heaps of fun doing it. And it provides me an opportunity to get drunk for a little bit cheaper than if I didn't do it. So <laughs> like, it's it's a good it's a good outlet for me. So I'm going to put in as much effort as I can to, you know, be a part of whatever that is. Yeah. Something that like with ill natured, I think that we kind of realized a year or a while ago was that like what we want to get out of the band is just, we want to play with our friends, bands play with bands that we like. And like that, you can't really ask for much more than that. Like, Mm we don't care if there's heaps of people there, if there's not many people there, like as long as we get to do what we want to do and we have fun doing it, then like nothing else really matters. Yeah. Well, and that, and I think that's like, that's like the best way of approaching this for sure. It is just like, you know, people often at least who are going into it with a preconceived notion of there has to be some sort of modicum of, success that comes out of it however they want to define set success themselves you're setting yourself oh, at least for, from my experience like you're setting yourself up for failure because you're always going to be trying for the next best thing and never satisfied with the thing that you're getting like i mean i can i can still feel the feeling in myself of like you know going to europe for example and playing a show for the first time and like us absolutely not being the band that anyone was there to see and no one you know generally speaking really caring about our presence there but you know like some cooked french unit coming up to me and telling me how sick our weed leaf singlet was after we (laughs) played our set is like this is so cool like that's never gonna that's nothing that that's a cool story that i have forever that's so that's so great now and that like now years and years later i can you know while i'm drunk in my spare bedroom i can reminisce on (laughs) confidently and i don't don't look down on it because it's not something that happens all the time you know yeah i think something that's probably pretty common with australian bands is that like if any Australian band gets to go overseas and do any kind of show or tour over there like we're just stoked to be there so like we couldn't really care less how it actually goes like it's an achievement just to be able to go and play shows overseas like when Ill Natured went to Southeast Asia like a couple of those shows weren't the best attended shows like the show that we played in Thailand, I'm pretty sure that they didn't even book the show until we were already there in Thailand. (laughs) But the people that were there were stoked and, like, we had an awesome time. Like, I've played shows here that were much bigger, much more organised that I didn't enjoy as much as some of those shows over there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still think, like, yeah, you know, like, even more recently like you know a couple of years ago now but like mental cavity went to japan and like we um we just booked plane tickets to go to japan and we were like there's a jet star sale on let's book 
five plane tickets and if we can sort out shows we'll take our guitars if we can't then we won't and we'll just go on a holiday and it was like that in explaining that to people who aren't from australia like people from australia like, yeah sure that sounds like a good i mean stupid but it sounds like an idea like whereas people from overseas are like well, it's a win-win well yeah exactly and whereas like people from overseas that i've told that story to are like you guys are crazy like why why would you do that and i'm like we got to go to japan it was great like you know yeah like worst case scenario you get to have a holiday in japan yeah and it was and it was funny like it was fun like we four shows got organized three of them were great one was awful and so it worked out fine like you know and we we learned some things very fast like you need to have transport you can't go on public transport but you know as as a group of adult men we thought ah, we can do this we'll be fine like we didn't learn our, you know, we didn't learn the last five times we tried to do something like that that you can't do it. But, you know, we got to go to the baseball in Japan on a day where we didn't have a show. So it was super fun. Like, that's the point. Yeah, I think I think when you're overseas like that, like anything you end up doing is going to be fun. And like that's, I think it's a really good mindset that Australians have where you could, yeah, like when we were in Jakarta, all like we landed went to where we were staying then they said oh yeah we'll take you out we'll go and get lunch and they just took us to the mall and that's where we had lunch well like we still thought that was unreal like it was awesome we had to look around and thought it was great but i don't think that would be the same for like an american band for example who is used to having things be really good all the time like yeah if they have a show that's a bit short like they'll complain about it and like just not enjoy it whereas like we're just stoked that we're getting to do anything yeah i mean and i think the other thing that's done our bands like no end of favors is that like well we i mean obviously we take it seriously and that we we want it to be good and we want it to sound good and we want to play well and things like that but at the same time like you know when things go bad like what is getting mad about it going to do for you is my is my outlook and that that's like my life outlook <laughs> you know it's my work outlook it's, it's everything but like you know essentially every bad show i've ever played has just been a shit band practice like that's the way that i look at it you know it's just like well okay no one's here so i guess let's just we'll just make sure we're good for the one that people are at so let's just play well but like i mean yeah it, like it's it's I've seen, even in seeing, like, I remember years ago playing a show and, uh, you know, I have no problem talking about it now, but, like, we, I exist years and years and years ago, played a show at, at one of those Blacktown, like, community center things and we played with Northlane, who are now an enormous, you know, enormously successful band um, and this is no Northlane disc, but we we're playing like a friggin' basketball court in Blacktown. And <laughs> we were so late, like so, so late. We should have, they should have just told us we can't play. Like, I can't remember what happened. We got stuck in really bad traffic coming from Canberra. We got to the show and the whoever the promoter was, was like happy enough for us to play like much later than we were meant to. Like we were meant to play second or something. And, you know, it was one of those shows where there was like, 30 bands on because it was a youth center thing in blacktown and 
we get there and this is what they do yeah exactly we get there and we're ending up like sort of playing second from the top and we've got like a demo and six songs or something and we get there we're really late and i think Northlane maybe had like just finished playing or that maybe they were setting up to play and they were playing last or something and it was like very serious they had like guitar racks big units and all you know crazy amps and all this stuff and we roll in like as late as humanly possible we've only i mean we're from camera so we're only like three hours away <laughs> like it wasn't that we should have just left earlier basically <laughs> we just didn't understand traffic and we roll in with like you know one guitar and one amp we set up kind of on this hired back line and the first thing like jake opens his mouth he goes where i exist from camera we always play second last and it was just like <laughs> this like no one thought it was funny except us like everyone was mad the dude who organized the show was so filthy and like we just played and then at the end of it like a bunch of people were seemingly like what the fuck why are you guys here blah blah blah, blah. and i was just like well this is a silly thing and we'll just get back in the car and we'll go home but it was like one of those funny <laughs> things like what, what else do you do it's a bad situation you can't be like how else are you going to respond to it you know but had you turned up on time, played your normal set, like it probably just would have been like an okay set, okay show. Yeah. But since those things did happen, you at least like you remember it because it was kind of funny and like yeah. out of the ordinary. Yeah. Well, and, and the other thing too is like uh, me and Sam both were doing like backing vocals and we both got electrocuted twice by the microphone. And one time he got, he got electrocuted it hit him back so bad he fell over and so like for me like <laughs> one of the, my favorite memories of him is that him slipping over backwards after getting electrocuted playing in a basketball court in blacktown with north with northline it's like it's a great it's a great memory of our um our past essentially like that video of the guy from a muir or whatever it is yes where he goes to sing into the mic and gets electrocuted and just hits the deck and just dies basically <laughs> oh well i mean good on him for, for taking one for the team and thank you for whoever uploaded it on youtube for us to enjoy <laughs> yeah. all right well that's a pretty good way to top off a podcast so i think uh we'll <laughs> we'll stop the recording at um a muir guy gets electrocuted on youtube so <laughs> thank you very much for uh doing the podcast mate and chatting about loosely about rival schools and then more just about other shit yeah it was a bit of everything so hopefully the oblivious maximus fans and enjoy this one and thank you for having me my pleasure